Podcast. Podcast with coffee about dogs and cats. Welcome to our 10th episode of Poffee Podcasts. Hello, the 10th episode. We made it to 10. That's amazing. Lucky number 10. That's pretty cool. Our thoughts are not primarily with the podcast because we are just days away from Bon Appetit. At this point, 56 hours. 56 hour countdown to Bone Appetit this Saturday, 7 p.m. You can tune in from wherever you're listening from. Yeah, please do. We would, uh, we're, I mean, we're nervous about people watching because we know it's not going to be perfect. You can make fun of us if you want. We make fun of ourselves a lot, but we did put a lot of heart and soul and work into it. So we hope at least some of it touches your heart and especially the stories of animals. I mean, even if we screw up some stuff, the stories of animals are always good no matter what. So it's going to be a fun time. And Bones is going to be there. Yay, baby Bones. We, She's going to make an appearance. You'll get to see what she looks like. Yeah, we hope Ruth won't be there because we hope she'll be adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we should give an office kitten update. Yay. Okay. Well, my little girl, baby Ruth, has been getting some of her vision back. Um, slowly but surely, she can see farther and farther out. She still gets very, very nervous in new environments, and when she gets nervous, she spins. Um, so there's probably a little bit of neurological, not sure what, because I'm not a vet. She's actually had a few visiting appointments. She's on hold right now and has a potential adopter, so we're very excited about that. Um, baby Bones is still healing. She sleeps a lot. She's a little tired girl. But, you know, if I was five weeks old and had had a leg amputated... I'd probably be pretty tired, too. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of let her relax, have some TLC. Yep. I do still have my two office kittens with the eye issues. They're sisters. They look really similar. They love each other. They sleep together. They play together. They're named Sally and Jillian, like the sisters on Practical Magic, since it's spooky Halloween season. And they're really sweet. They're definitely shy, but once you can get them to come to you or you force them to let you pick them up, they're really sweet and they purr a lot. And they're really good about getting their eye drops and vaccinations and things. So they're pretty easy office kittens. I'm pretty lucky with those two. Bunny was hanging out with us in there all day today, one of our sanctuary cats. And usually with older kittens, Bunny scrams because they're like crazy and they jump on her and play. But these two are, I would say, on the calmer end of the spectrum. So Bunny was able to hang out with them today. Yay, Bunny! Those are all of our office kitties. Uh-huh. That's a fun update. We um, did. Um, we have an, another fun update that Polly's new mama sent me a message, and I was very excited to hear from her. She sent some pictures of him, and he has a little baby kitten at home. And she also said that he still walks with a little bit of a limp, but the kitten that she has him at home with also walks with a limp now because he thinks that's what cats are supposed to do because <laughs> Polly walks with a limp, which is just the most wholesome thing we've ever heard. Yeah, that's pretty great. And the update came like right after we recorded the last episode when Grace was talking about how sad she was. So it was like the universe heard her mm-hmm, and sure did. sent her a sign that Polly, who's now named Remy, is doing okay in his new home. Yep. So this episode is going to be more of us talking to Kerrigan. We just talked to Kerrigan so long because we had such fun talking about cats. We have additional info for you to listen to. And hopefully soon we will have new interviews with new employees for you to meet. We want to give a disclaimer to our listeners. We are not experts on cats. We like to think we're experts on cats because we spend a lot of time with cats. But... We're only here to share our experiences from the perspective of our shelter operations. So if you have questions, concerns about your cat or cat you find, talk to your vet about specifics. 
So what do you do if you find a cat outdoors? We've talked a little bit about how you might be able to tell if it's an indoor-outdoor. We've talked a little bit about what will happen if you choose to bring it here to the shelter, what types of assessments we might use to figure out if it's an indoor-outdoor feral or owned pet. Kerrigan, do you have any tips for people? I know you talked a little bit about, like, sometimes people will trap cats. Do you have any tips for people on handling cats? And obviously we don't want to just shuck them on into the car, off we go to the shelter, but just ways of... If they do want to bring the cat to us, <laughs> carriers, carriers, carriers. <laughs> if you have a carrier, try to get them in the carrier. Mm-hmm. People that just put them in the the back seat of their car and then drive them in, it is a crazy time trying to get them out because their first thought is to just dart. And mm-hmm. as soon as you open the car door, and we've had it happen a couple of times where they're just loose in our parking lot and we then have to try and chase them down and catch them. Mm-hmm. If you have a carrier, even a box that you can shut and keep closed, just make sure there's plenty of air holes. Just something that will contain them to bring them into us. Don't ever like just carry a stray cat inside somewhere either. Because if they do freak out or they do get nervous, their instinct is going to be claws and teeth a lot of the time. And that's when, you know, people that are carrying this cat and then they just go berserk and scratch and claw everything. So the less that you handle them is probably better. Do you have any tips on getting a cat in a carrier that you're not sure about handling? Yeah. Food, you can always try. I mean, we always say not to feed them, but if you're going to be bringing them somewhere, you might have to. Like tunas, baby food, like meat flavored baby food, just those really stinky kind of foods that you can put in the back of the carrier and then see if the cat will go in by itself. That is where kind of the live traps are are good because you put the food in, they go in and they set it off and they trap themselves. One thing I also think that we need to touch on is the idea of like, well, can you bring it inside your house overnight to keep it safe? And you know, that the potential risk for that of, you know, that cats can be carriers for ringworm. We see that quite a bit. And if they're feral, they don't want to be inside. So that might be an issue for your furniture and your family. Yeah. Yeah, They will pee on things. um, Especially if you bring in like a male tomcat If you have other cats in the home, they might start spraying, marking their territory, that kind of thing. A lot of times, it really is just best to leave them be or try and catch them overnight and then bring them somewhere in the morning. I mean, you kind of bring them in at your own risk because, yeah, Yeah. cats do carry a lot of of diseases, FELV, FIV, the worms, ringworm, I mean, fleas and ticks that if you have other pets in the home, it can spread to them. It, yeah. Is cat scratch fever a thing? So cat scratch fever <laughs> is a thing. It's, I think, typically called cat scratch disease now, Ooh. and it is a bacterial infection basically it's transmitted through like fleas or flea bites to the cats and then the cats can transmit it through like scratching or biting if a cat even if a cat like bites the fleas and gets the flea like feces or whatever in their teeth or on their paws 
They can transmit it to people through bite wounds or scratch wounds. I read this really weird thing that it can also spread if you have a cat that, like, licks your wounds. Like, if you have a scab and your cat licks it, it can spread that way, too. Which is, you know, kind of, like... Probably don't let your cat do that anyways, but yeah, it's (laughs) kind of weird. But it is pretty much just a bacterial infection, so it's really not common that it's, like, super serious or deadly. It can be if you don't get it under check fast enough, but it's really hard to tell that's what it is for sure because it presents the same as a lot of other issues. You know, you kind of get those, like fatigue and body aches and low-grade fevers, swollen lymph nodes, that kind of thing. So I think they have to test for it. They do a like a blood test, and then if they find that bacteria present in your body, then they would categorize it as cat scratch disease, I guess. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, it, it is a thing, but it's not quite as big a thing as it has been made out to be. Mm -hmm. They usually say that younger cats and kittens are more likely to carry it. So if, you know, you're interested in a cat, but you're worried about maybe getting this disease or something, looking at an older cat that, you know, is treated for fleas and that kind of stuff um, might be a better option. But yeah, it is kind of a an interesting thing because okay. I always thought it was like a like a horrible disease, right, yeah, <laughs> like, like oh dear. cat scratch fever, mm-hmm. where you just go crazy. But I want to add to that. So I guess if somebody's bringing in a pet and they get scratched or bit, monitor it, watch it, double check, you know, make sure it doesn't get infected. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing any weird symptoms. Go to your doctor, and also, like, if it was your own pet that you were bringing here to surrender, like, let us know, and maybe also talk to your vet to see if there was any mm-hmm. history there, um, mm-hmm. so that we can get as much information, make sure you're safe, and that cat's safe, and that, you know, our stuff here mm-hmm. are safe, so. Yeah, and if people are scratched or bit by cats, um, and they bring them into us, they do go on that 10-day bite quarantine, even for scratches, just because cats do carry a lot more bacteria and things in their paws and nails, So that 10-day quarantine is mostly just to really watch them if they show any signs or symptoms of any diseases, but also if the person starts to show any signs or symptoms, we have that cat available so that, you know, if we need to do, like, some kind of a swab and see if there is bacteria on the cat's feet or if we need to test them for some other disease, um, we have that cat that's been quarantined and is still there that, you know, Mm -hmm. we can check on that kind of thing. The biggest thing with cat bites and cat scratches is keep it clean because they, they really do just carry a lot of And I've heard that they tend to get like deeper into your, Skin and blood potentially than like a dog's. Grass. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, cats They're have pointy little needles. Yeah, sharp, <laughs> sharp nails yeah. and puncture wounds are the the hardest to keep clean. So it's just really important to make sure you wash it out, and you know if you need to keep it covered, but just making sure that that you are cleaning it really well because cats can be kind of kind of gross sometimes. <laughs> Gotta love them, but. So, from the whole discussion we've had about bringing in, not surrendering your own Mm -hmm. cat that you've owned, but bringing in some kind of outdoor or stray cat, the message 
I am getting <laughs> is unless they look like they really need help, like they're injured, mm. they're disheveled, dirty, don't bring them in because they may just live next door. They may be a community cat that lives outside. And in those situations where you see one that needs help, if you're uncomfortable handling them, they could call animal control, right? Yep. yep. Animal control. They will pick up injured or sick cats if you are able to get a hold of the cat and have them in like a box or carrier or something animal control will come out and pick them up as a holding stray but animal control does not come out and trap cats or pick up just stray neighborhood cats that kind of thing because uh, it yeah there is no there's no restrictions people can have inside outside cats mm -hmm. and so they they tend to just leave them unless they are sick or injured or really need to come in so yes yeah the other group of cats people might think they need to bring to us are moms with babies. Oh, or just babies. Or just yes. babies. If you see people just bring kittens. in just kittens. If they are quiet, if they are clean looking, if they have round bellies, mom is taking care of them. There's a mom. She's somewhere. She's taking care of them. Mom cats typically kind of stash their babies and they go off and they do their own thing they come back to feed maybe once or twice a day they're they're not going to sit with their babies all day some moms will even split litters up and hide them in different places so that if predator gets one litter they've still got their backup <laughs> over here um, <laughs> divided so, yeah they, keep safe uh -huh. yeah yeah we always tell people in intake if they look healthy if they look clean if they're quiet Leave them be, let mom take care of them. Because bringing them into us, it is really, really tough. Neonatal kittens are so hard to care for. And if they don't have those antibodies and that kind of thing from mom's milk, it just really decreases their chance of survival. You know, we have bottle feeding like fosters, that that's their specialty. But when we get... 10, 20 litters in during one season, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of run out of space. So that can be really tough. A lot of times if the kittens are screaming and crying and they look really gross and don't seem to be doing very well, those are probably more the the kittens that you might try and bring in. We might not be able to save them, unfortunately. Uh, mom cats are really good judges of if their kittens will survive or not. And sometimes the moms know these kittens aren't going to make it, so they just leave them. And it is awful, and it really sucks. <laughs> and, you know, it... And in those cases, I mean, yeah, it, being euthanized may be a more humane it, it, end yeah, of their life than just than natural yeah, yeah. starving. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so those are those are the litters that, you know, if, if they're screaming and they look like they haven't been fed or taken care of, those are the are the ones to bring in and we can always look at them and try putting them in foster care we've done it before and sometimes they will end up thriving with you know the right care and intervention we we can medically treat them for something but a, a lot of the time as unfortunate as it is we do look at at euthanasia for such young young kittens well, that's a good point. I think, you know, we do such a, 
you know, big foster campaign that we, you know, we do need fosters and we always need fosters. Thankfully, we've had a good turnout this year. Bottle babies are a particularly difficult thing to foster because you potentially lose them. I know we'll probably end up talking to Jen, our foster coordinator, about this as well. You know, but the, I think the other thing that I want to make sure that listeners know is that we can't guarantee that we're going to put them in foster. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will call and say, hey, I found these babies, but I know that you guys can put them in foster. But if we've had a particularly hard kitten season, all of our fosters may already be filled with bottle babies. So... You know, we would say, then sign up to foster. We need yeah. you. We need you to exactly. sign up to foster. We we have a limited number of resources. And, you know, I think Emmy has a good point that it can be inhumane to leave little babies who are susceptible mm-hmm. to shelter diseases, who don't have the appropriate level of care that their mom could give them, you know, who don't have these nutrients, to, like, leave them for, you know, however long it takes us, that sometimes euthanasia is yeah. the kinder option for them. Yeah, and... You have to limit how many kittens a foster can take because when they are, you know, young, it it varies on age. If they come in and eyes are open and ears are starting to open up, maybe they can move around a little bit. Those kittens are a little bit closer to weaning, so maybe you can start them on, like, we call it mush, where it's formula mixed with some water, but also a little bits of, like, kitten food. But when they come in and they're eyes are closed, they still have umbilical cords attached, that kind of thing. They require almost round-the-clock care. A lot of times feeding every three to four hours. You have to make sure that they're staying warm. They're not suckling on each other. They don't have a mom. Sometimes kittens will turn to each other and start suckling, and that can cause all kinds of problems with skin. So it, it really varies based on their age, but, you know, as... As somebody that I I used to do a lot of bottle feeding kittens, three or four is about all you can handle sometimes because you're having to get up at two, three in the morning to feed them and, you know, trying to feed four screaming little babies is, is tough enough, let alone trying to feed like seven or eight. I had at one point that I, I always took too many, but I had three different like litters um there were two singles and then there were three that were from a litter but i had to keep them all separate because you can't just intermix them because they might have different diseases or illnesses and then i had to have different bottles for each set and i would have to remember which bottle was for which set and then trying to go through and feeding them all and it it can be a lot for people Um, and if you you have a daytime job that you have to go to. You have to have somebody that'll be home to feed the kittens. So it can be really tough to find fosters for those like little, little babies. If we have mom, if you can catch mom and bring mom in, even if she's feral, a lot of times we can kind of work with that. Sometimes if we can get the kittens to weaning age, then just separate them from mom put them in foster care where the fosters can socialize them and and get them more used to people. And then moms typically go in the barn cat program. Yeah, so no more babies. Yeah, no more babies and uh, out to a fun barn. So (laughs) yeah, we've had had a couple of those litters recently where moms have been not too terrible to handle. Like you could still touch her babies and, and that kind of thing, but she was... They, they've not been very happy mommies. A lot of the times putting those in foster homes is tough too, just because 
nobody wants a feral cat in their home. (laughs) So I think we've been putting some of those in our vet clinic. They have a a room back there with some bigger cages that we've been putting them in until we can separate mom and kittens and then the kittens go into foster care and but yeah it it, kittens are tough because you can't ever guarantee anything it's tough to be a kitten foster you lose a lot of of babies and it yeah never gets easier we happen to be sitting in the home of the future kitten nursery that's one thing that a lot of shelters have started to build dedicating a room just to be a kitten nursery for those fragile special Mm -hmm. needs kittens for a certain point of their journey to growing up and hopefully getting adopted so it used to be our boardroom and that is the future for it because our board said it's cool the kittens need it more than we do (laughs) well and that'll be good because then we'll have a space to put you know mom and babies that's away from you know some of the noises it'll be Mm -hmm. a little bit more isolated too which will protect hopefully well not hopefully it will protect from diseases Oh, you know what's one thing I want to know that I think is a little bit funny that's always funny to me and probably not at all funny to you (laughs) is when, like, in cat vet or cat receiving or whatever, when there's a sign, it's like, loose cat, and a cat got out of its kennel. Oh, (laughs) those are the best times ever. I (laughs) love when there are loose cats. It is so entertaining. They always call me because I'm the only person that can catch them. Uh But we have a cat net, which is a great tool for catching cats because... You can't use, like, fetch poles or, like, noose-type Yeah, does it look like a big butterfly um, net? It is basically a giant butterfly net. The mm-hmm. handle, like, slides down to open it, and then it slides up and it catches them, and then it has a zipper on the bottom, so mm-hmm. when you put them back in the feral box, you just unzip it and can, like, kind of gently shake them out. Nice. My personal method of using the net is to get them into the hallway, because in the rooms, there's so many, like, kennels and stuff. They crawl under and they get on top of them. Mm-hmm. So I try and get people to, like, stand guard at the doors. And then I get them loose in the hall. They almost always run towards the storage room. Mm-hmm. They're just where it goes. And then they always try and get into the vet clinic. <laughs> but there's nothing out there that's, like, in my way. And I can just gently yeah. net them and then take them back. Nice. But, yeah, there's a lot of... There's been some fun fun cats that are feral and they are not <laughs> happy. capital F. Yeah, and they are not happy that they're here and they want to go and trying to net them is entertaining for the day. Uh-huh. Yeah. and i should add so we don't just like leave cat doors open to all no, our listeners no, no. but they're pretty crafty they cats can be and figure out how to open it yeah. and it's always a little bit funny when you hear like somebody urgent on the intercom that's like kerrigan we need you an intake and you're like oh <laughs> cat <laughs> probably got out <laughs> yeah. they, yeah, we've had cats that have figured out like how to open the side door of the feral box they can push oh them out God. just enough or they trick our poor kennel staff, they'd be like sitting there and they're super quiet and they don't do anything for a couple of days. So yeah. they just go in, they take everything out, they clean it, mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere they're just like, pew! <laughs> they're they're gone. waiting for their yeah, opportunity. They do. Um, I know Andoril, the kitten that is in yeah, your office yeah. currently, is one of those oh. that would, would sit there and just stare with her whale eyes. Yep. And then um, a couple of times she would try to escape. I don't think she ever actually managed to escape Mm -hmm. but she was definitely trying so i love it and kerrigan showed us yesterday how to do the penguin shuffle to walk into doors with like if there's free roaming cats in there to keep your feet blocking the doorway which was a lot of fun we did that yesterday
all in this together. We're still all in this together. Though we may be far apart, know that over the airwaves, we are there with you. You are here with us because we all share a love of animals. You better sing something. What should I sing? I don't know. I've been singing all week. So yesterday, this is a funny story. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, we had a professional sound engineer Ooh, yeah. come do a walkthrough with us on our sound equipment. He was really impressed with our podcasting microphone that we're all talking to you on. And so he <laughs> said, let's do a sound test. And of course, he said the quick brown fox, you know, the standard thing. And he said, um, Grace, will you do a sound test? Why did I immediately go, Bo Jingle Jangle, Jingle Jangle Jingles, Bo Jingles. So I don't know if that was like a real sound check, but... He copied you, though. He did he the did. same thing afterwards, so I think he liked it. It was like an updated, fun, new Version of the quick brown fox. Yeah. Cool. And, and sound, as he pointed out, sounds differently whether you're talking or you've got music and singing, so I think it's beneficial to test. Try both. Yeah. So that's, why, that's why we sing on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And also, the, apparently the most impressive thing about our podcast is our microphone, because every single person who sees it for the first time is like, ooh, what, what is that? that microphone? Ooh. It's not even ours. It's my mom's. Thanks, mom. Shout out. Kiyomi Grease. Yay. Thanks, Kiyomi. Letting us use your fancy microphone and for donating to the Bon Appetit Silent Auction, Woo-hoo! which everyone should go check out at bonappetit2020.givesmart.com right now and bid on something. Yes. Bid hides for the animals bid on things that I'm interested in because we've been again in a bid war and I got no shame about that. I get upset throughout the day when I see that I got outbid, but that's fine. I'll just rebid again. If you're a competitive person, we like it. It might uh-huh. cause you anxiety and stress until the auction is over, but we like it. Uh-huh. It helps the animals. And tune in to our live stream Saturday, October 17th, 7 p.m. on our Facebook page, Helping Hands Humane Society, our website, hhhstopeka.org, or our YouTube. Character with their combat boots and their feral like cat. Barn over the top of your office. Yeah. Like, this is the barn. This, this is the barn. Yeah. The barn. Instead of Tiger King, yeah. she's going to be feral cat queen. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep.